Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. And thank you for joining us on this President's Day. Obviously, this is not the sweet golden tones of Dan Bickley. Alongside me is not the melancholy mastery of Vince Murata. No, it is Arizona Sports Multimedia Master Jeremy Schnell. I am Arizona Sports Afternoon Contributor Eric Ruby. Behind the glass, we have Jesse Morrison and Lauren Koval rocking for us. Jeremy, it's a fun President's Day to be on air. A busy time in the Valley. How you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing great. I, I feel good because, you know, I don't have to go too far to use the bathroom now. I can just use the on-air bathrooms, which is Congratulations. closer to the studio. So um, that's, a lot, that's a lot nicer. You know, I, I, I get, you know, in and out, ready to go back on the air kind of thing. Yeah, they don't talk about they have an attendant in the on-air bathroom, too, just to right, make yeah, sure they, that you get out fast enough to get back. That's not true. Come on, Jesse. You've never been in the on-air bathroom, though. Come on. Yeah, I have. What? What? You're not allowed to. Uh, Yeah, I am. Unbelievable. When I'm, like, in the producer's room, that that means I'm, like, technically on-air. Isn't there some Cardinals stuff we should talk about, too? There is some Cardinals stuff we should talk about. They did make some news over the weekend. Firing, sorry, hiring their offensive (laughs) and defensive coordinator. Not firing anybody. uh, Bringing on the youngest uh, coordinator in the NFL, Nick Rattles, 29 years old, former Eagles linebackers coach, following... New head coach Jonathan Gannon from Philadelphia on offense. They've got Cleveland's quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing. When you first saw these hires, Jeremy, what stood out to you? Well, what stood out to me is a possibility of a Jacoby Brissett coming in. Little stopgap quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jacoby Brissett did a really good job when they were waiting for Deshaun Watson to come back in Cleveland. Obviously, Petzing had a relationship with both those quarterbacks in Cleveland, but specifically Jacoby Brissett. Um, I think that would be a good fit for Arizona. Yeah, Brissett in his 11 games before Watson uh, was reinstated from suspension this last season, completed 64% of his throws, 2,608 yards, 12 touchdowns to six interceptions. He scored on the ground twice. And if you're looking at a team that's not going to have Kyler Murray for the foreseeable future, we don't know exactly how much time next season. You're going to assume at least the first three to four weeks could be longer. Colt McCoy might not be the guy Guy you want to trot out there, especially depending on the state of this offensive line and what they do in the offseason, you might want to have a younger, more mobile quarterback to trot out there for a couple weeks. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has kind of shown that he's probably the best backup or number two quarterback in the league at this point uh, over the past five, six years. He's come in and he started some games in 
he's done pretty well for the Dolphins, for the Colts, for now the Browns last year. So I think that would be a great fit for the Cardinals. We'll see if it happens. Petsing obviously has a relationship there. Yeah, Petsing and Gannon uh, coached together in Minnesota for four seasons. Petsing was the tight ends coach for Cleveland before becoming their quarterbacks coach this past season. Now, some people are saying, oh, but what about when Deshaun Watson came back? He was very much not the Deshaun Watson that he was before everything in Houston when he was actually playing. Well, Mary Kay Cabot, Browns insider, joined Bickley and Murata last Thursday and said Deshaun Watson's season is not Petsing's fault. It's more of a rust thing. I don't think you can look to Drew Petsing and say, oh, geez, that was because, you know, Drew just didn't do a good job. No, I don't think that was it at all. In fact, uh, they got the best year uh, of his career out of Jacoby Brissett. And um, and Deshaun did some really good things in the six games that he did play. And we talked about Jacoby, obviously, but the thing that's been standing out to me upon doing more research on Petsing is his history with tight ends. Because the tight end trio for the Browns was really good when he was coaching that. They were, I think, one of the only teams in the NFL to have three tight ends score a touchdown. And along with that, when you come to Arizona, your current is Zach Ertz, who's yes, is recovering from a knee injury, but it's still going to be a huge part of this Cardinals team during a rebuilding season. And then you've got the future. You have Trey McBride. So to bring in an offensive coordinator that not only is going to have to work with Kyler Murray and their weapons on offense, but has a specific history with working with tight ends, that can pay dividends for the next couple of years. And who does Trey McBride remind you of? Harrison Bryant. Who did very well? Who was a who was a tight end coming out of the draft uh, that year? Came in from FAU, did really well with the Browns. He was probably the number one tight end in that draft, so he had kind of expectations to come in and do stuff just like Trey McBride. So maybe Petson could coach him up a little bit. And McBride, I mean, the beginning of last season, he had Cardinals fans tweeting every single play. What are you doing? He was getting penalties all the time. Also, where are you? Like, why are you not on the field? Why are you not dressing? Why are you Mm -hmm. not on the field? And of course, throughout the season, he started to contribute a little bit more, get his feet underneath him. And just last Cardinal season in general, it's hard to judge somebody like Trey McBride in that scheme when it's going to be completely different this year under Petsing and under Gannon. Gannon, during his intro press conference last Thursday before anybody was hired, anybody was linked to the Cardinals. He was asked about his plan at offensive coordinator and what they would be focusing on. Yeah, that's step one. We're, we're starting to look at some different candidates and uh, looking at interviewing some people here in the next 48 hours. And uh, But I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense. And the person that comes in here to run the offense is going to understand that everything that we do will be structured around the quarterback position to maximize his skill set. And we have an elite one. We also have some elite players at different positions already on the roster that I'm very excited to work with. And uh, that's what we're going to do. If there's one thing about Gannon, it's that he believes in Kyler Murray and he brings in a coordinator that does that as well. How important is that? Oh, that's huge. I mean, it's huge, but also when I hear him talking about the other skill position players, I'm just thinking of that video that we watched earlier today of him talking to Rondell Moore going, view, 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 view. You know, I actually, I have that video pulled just because I'm not trying to hate, hate on the man with Gannon, but it's a little bit more just poking fun with him, but there was this video after his press conference on Thursday after that last soundbite where he's going and he's introducing himself to some of the players talking to Zach Ertz, James Conner, and there was one interaction with Rondell Moore that was just a little bit awkward. What's up? Hey! 
What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Shots. Explosives. Explosives. You can run. Yeah, that was not cut. That was the, the conversation. That was uh, a video I had to replay about five or six times just to really get the essence of it. Yeah, but no, it, it, when it comes to petsing again, and I think they'll, they'll do a great job of having that relationship that they had, obviously, um, it, well, that they're going to have because I, I, so Gannon's a defensive guy, but he knows what he wants from his offensive scheme. He said that. And I think, you know, when when he has that thought in his mind, he brought in the guy to do the job and hopefully Betson can do it. All right. Let's talk about the other guy he brought in to do a job. Defensive coordinator will be filled by former Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rallis following Gannon from Philly to the Valley. The interesting thing about Rallis, he is only 20 Nine years old. He is going to be the youngest coordinator in the entire NFL. Is that scary to you when I read that out loud? Does that worry you? No, because like coordinators are getting younger and younger at this point. Like you see, you saw Kellen Moore be a very young coordinator in Dallas. Uh, you've seen different guys take over at a younger age. So like, I I, I think I think he could do a good job. Um, I I, th- I would be excited to see what his uh, linebackers can do. It, it, it's important because you have guys like Isaiah Simmons who roams around a little bit, right? But you also you, you got guys in in the secondary that he needs to coach up as well that are young but have played pretty well in the time that they've gotten to do things as well. You can't look at that Philadelphia defense from last season and not think to yourself, okay, yeah, these guys were coached right. And that is obviously part with Gannon and part with Rallis. And I mean, this guy was playing football in 2016, like actual on the field, high level, not in the NFL, but high level college football in 2016. Now he's coaching in the NFL. And like you said, it's kind of like this gold rush to young coordinators in the NFL. You're trying to find the one that hits before every everybody else and you're going younger and younger and younger but also you know you don't want to say this for a young guy but you're bringing him in if you're Gannon and you're a first-time head coach who's young in his own right are you gonna bring in the veteran coordinator who's been around for over a decade who's been calling the shot no you're gonna bring in somebody who maybe you're more comfortable putting your foot down over and not that he's not gonna take Rouse's opinion in or that he's not gonna listen to him because he's younger but you would have to imagine that a first-time head coach would be more comfortable stepping into that role with somebody like Rallis there as his defensive coordinator instead of maybe Vance Joseph without all of the past couple years of baggage that's underneath him and possibly he's going to help oversee some position groups um, specifically the linebacker group because they need some help maybe put Isaiah Simmons on the edge a little bit because you need an edge rusher we'll talk about the drafts and possibilities there as well toward the end of this uh, show but I think that you know when you when you divide and conquer between Gannon and Rallis I think it'll be good also a little note uh, Rallis's brothers in the WWE so a little showmanship there a little halftime show get him out there yeah that'd be nice I think it'd be fun I think it'd be impressive to get him out there in a tag team. I mean, with these young coaches, you never know what they're going to do. You might see Sean McVay on WWE this week as well. Okay, well, the Cardinals, they made news over the weekend hiring their offensive and defensive coordinator. Well, the Suns, they made a big splash a couple weeks ago trading for Kevin Durant. Did that drain their bench? Well, Kevin Durant doesn't think so. We'll tell you that and more next. Jeremy Chanel, Eric Ruby filling in for Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this President's Day. Jeremy Schnell and Eric Ruby in for Bickley and Murata. Jesse Morrison, Lauren Koval holding it down behind the glass. We just talked Cardinals as they filled their offensive defensive coordinator positions over the weekend. Now it's time to turn our eyes on the biggest story in the state of Arizona, I would say, and that is Kevin Durant being a Phoenix Sun. Now, he was at All-Star Weekend over the past weekend, not participating because he's still dealing with injury, but there for media availability. The only son besides Saban Lee representing Phoenix in All-Star Weekend. He had some stuff to say about their bench. I don't think people watch the Phoenix Suns enough to say that. You know, and we got a couple guys back in this trade, but also signs Terrence Ross as well. So um, I, I, once our team gets hold, we'll figure out where we are and see see what needs the holes needs to be plugged in. But the easy thing is to say right now we don't have a bench. Jeremy, are people not watching the Phoenix Suns enough to know that they actually have a bench. They will now, but I, I think Terrence Ross was balling out the other day in his first game. He was just shooting at will. Like he, he I mean, he wasn't <laughs> incredible, but he definitely was shooting the ball. But like, like that, he was incredible for his first game in an offense that he doesn't right. probably yeah. know much about. He came out there, he just shot the ball, he scored as much as he could, really. Tried to help them win the game. Obviously, didn't. they didn't win the game in the end. But you know they're going to get Landry Shamit back. They're going to get Campaign back. Uh, they have a pretty good backup point guard as it is right now. Saban Lee's been playing great uh, in the absence of Campaign. Um, who else can we name even more? I mean, Biombo's been playing pretty Biombo, well. Biombo and Landale as your backup centers is definitely an interesting one that I'm keeping my eye on in yeah. the playoffs because Kevin Love heading to the Heat, not going to be signing with the Cardinal. The, the Cardinals. I see a Tyler Drake tweet up on my timeline. We'll have him on later in the show. Not going to be signing with the Suns. He's taking his talents to South Beach, but. This backup center position is something that I'm looking at behind DeAndre Ayton saying, are you going to be able to play him 40-plus minutes a game in the playoffs with foul trouble? We saw him on that deep run just a couple years ago incredibly limit himself in the amount of fouls that he committed, but it's kind of hard to bank on that. So on the bench, I like Busy. He's one of the best shot blockers in the league, but he's very limited in a lot of other areas, which is why sometimes he doesn't get playing time. Lando kind of the same. He's just... A limited center. I would have liked to have somebody like Love in there off the buyout market if you could get him, but I don't really see any other center options for them. It's tough because teams like the Grizzlies, where they have two bigs that they play to start the game, it's tough to match up against teams like that because, well, now not as much anymore because you can play KD at the four, kind of. Right, and Kevin Durant is seven feet tall. Right, but it... it Here's the thing when when you have a guy like Bismack Biombo who's six foot eight and and you got to play him at the backup center position like that that's tough to have to deal with in the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see what they do going into the playoffs and if they bring in anyone for the buyout mark from the buyout market anymore not many guys left out there we'll have to see if there are more guys that get released in the coming days obviously all-star break extends until late this week so it'll it gives teams time to figure out what they're going to do with their rosters. There's some time. There's a, there's about 20 games left. And the Suns, they're definitely trying to figure out a lot of stuff on the back end because you're starting four, that fifth spot kind of excluded, is very solid. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Eaton. Yeah. Every day of the week and twice on Sundays. But that fifth guy, that bench, Monty said he's trying to figure it out, and that might have actually cost them their last game before the All-Star break. I thought from my perspective, I played... 
too many guys tonight. It's hard to, for guys to get a rhythm when you're playing that many guys. And I got to settle on a rotation so that guys can get used to playing with each other. Yeah, we failed to talk about Damian Lee and how he didn't play much the other day. Right. Um, I think that he is a key piece for this team. He's kind of like the Seth Curry piece that they had in Brooklyn with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, where he's going to be a shooter. You need shooters in this NBA, especially when you have guys that dominate the ball. They need someone to kick out to. And I think Damian Lee could see some starting minutes at, you know, not necessarily starting the game, but minutes a starter With will play. Starters, I yeah. mean, that's the thing, because depending on who you slide in there, whether you have Josh Akogi in there at the 3-4 defense, if you're maybe going to start TJ Warren to give yourself some more offensive flexibility, because while Akogi hit six threes against the Clippers, and that was really fun to watch in a moment, you will not find me putting my chips on Josh Okoge and his jump shot in the playoffs. You want to go get a stop? I'll take Okoge on my team 10 times out of 10. You might have, to take a three, I'm not sure. You might have to play Booker or, or Lee. Uh, not, I can't say Lee because they have two Lees, but Damian Lee at the, at the three is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Lee is, uh, Damian Lee is an interesting one just because of the offensive firepower that gives you to throw five guys on the court at once who can hit a shot. DA maybe can't extend it out to three as you would maybe have hoped he could have at this point, but he's more focused on dominating inside. But you have Chris Paul, Devin Booker in your backcourt. Either of them can catch and shoot, shoot off the dribble. You have Damian Lee anywhere running around the court shooting threes. Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton playing off of that is great, but that's that's the starters. You've got to go a step below in the playoffs and think, who's actually going to be playing on the bench? Campaign, if he's healthy, I think you have to assume he's going to be in that rotation. Damian Lee, if he's not starting, or Josh Okogie, if he's not starting. TJ Warren, one of the two centers. Is that enough? Is that enough to carry that water in the minutes without Booker and Durant on the floor, without Chris Paul and Aiton on the floor? Yeah, and sometimes even in the playoffs, you see teams only go seven deep. So, like, but you need that backup center for DeAndre to get to catch his breath. I don't think we see Kevin Durant move down to center in certain situations. I don't know. I Even though Monty's been a little bit hesitant to go small in the past with some of these playoff matchups and just the mismatch that Kevin Durant gives you, still being seven foot, still being lanky, able to protect the rim, but then be able to dribble, hit it off of the dribble, mid-range, three-pointers from any side of the court, to have that at center... You can put almost anybody around him, and you're still going to have a mismatch. I mean, you see Darvin, Darvin Ham do it with LeBron James a little bit, but, I mean, LeBron's not as tall as Kevin Durant and lengthy as Kevin Durant. It's just to go to back to what Monty was saying the other day, I think the biggest reason why he didn't play Damian Lee is because he knows what he has in Damian Lee. He, right. he knows the chemistry that he has with the players on the court already. He wanted to get those guys in. He wanted to try out Terrence Ross. T.J. Warren only played, I think, eight or nine minutes, which was kind of a bummer because he wanted. To, he said after the game that he wanted to get T.J. more of a run, and he just couldn't. He couldn't find minutes because he wanted to, you know, get D.A. a breath. So he puts Biombo in, and then Biombo gets tired, or one of them gets in foul trouble. They got to put Landell in. So it's hard to find minutes for some of these guys, especially when they have duplicates at positions like they have at the three and the two. Does it worry you that come playoff? time this team is only going to have 20 something games depending on how deep you are in the playoffs to get that bench chemistry together because 
I'm not worried about chemistry with the starters. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, that's going to work out just fine. They're not going to have any issues figuring that out. But everybody else, the main thing about playoff basketball is you got to know your role. And you've got to take that role and execute it at the absolute highest level. Any worry that that's not going to be able to get done because they might not have a chance to get out the kinks in the regular season. I was worried about some of the guys at first. Like, I was worried that Terrence Ross, like, coming in the other day, he didn't have enough time to, like, get into the offense and, and really understand what the Suns are trying to do. But he... he had zero problems getting into the offense the other day. Now, the kids would call him a bucket. Thank you, Jesse. Um, but TJ Warren, like he kind of struggled in this first two games. Not gonna lie, like he 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 was kind of lost out there. But like that that kind of worries me a little bit. It's it's hard to look at right now, and the, especially that Clippers game. It, it's kind of funny. I remember listening to this very show, Bickley and Murata, which Jeremy Schnell and Eric Ruby we are filling in for Bickley and Murata on this President's Day. And after that game, Bickley basically said, "I refuse to let that game get me down. I refuse to let that game impact me or make me think about it in any way because they weren't fully healthy, and it was the last game before the All Star break." So T.J. Warren being lost in his son's debut coming off the bench right before the All-Star break doesn't concern me. And it especially kind of eases that fear when you hear Kevin Durant over the All-Star break say how fast chemistry can develop on a veteran team. If you're locked in enough, um, it can happen pretty fast. You've got veteran players that know how to play the game and know different terminologies. So I think, you know, we put our mind to it, it can happen pretty quickly. I think that you're walking in that building every single day and you're looking at Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, even DeAndre Ayton now at this point. And if you're on the bench, you think to yourself, okay, 20 games to figure it out. I'm going to play a role to go win a championship for Phoenix. That, I think, eases all of my fears of a short amount of time. We even talk about Darius Baisley as well and what role he can play. He's been shooting over 40% from three in OKC, so he could possibly play a role as well. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to get a little bit of run. Maybe if Ish Wainwright gets his contract, uh, his two-way contract ran up, so if he gets brought on in their final full-time roster spot, he could maybe be somebody you see get minutes off the bench. But we're going to keep that Phoenix Suns talk rolling. We're bringing in Phoenix Suns broadcaster John Bloom coming up next. Jeremy Schnell and Eric Ruby filling in for Bickley and Murata on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to Bickley and Murata mornings. Jeremy Chanel, myself, and Eric Ruby filling in here. We're going to talk to a special guest here. John Bloom, Suns broadcaster, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. John, how's it going? It's going well, Jeremy. I'm glad to be with you guys. Uh, I just stepped out of a, a frenetic volleyball tournament here downtown at the uh, convention center where my youngest has uh, been playing. This is three straight days of it. So I, if I don't hear you, it's not because I'm not paying attention, but it's because all of the teenage screaming that has uh, entered my lobes over the last three days has actually made an impact on my long-term hearing. So what's been more exciting and frenetic over the past uh, couple weeks? Is it volleyball or is it basketball? Definitely basketball. Now, I'm glad I get to be here for my daughter, but, uh, you know, I was just telling Lauren, uh, I missed a, a bunch of this action with uh, traveling with the son. So when I'm in town, 
obviously I'm going to take full advantage and be there and, and support the family. And uh, so, yeah, it's both. I'm, I'm glad I get to be here for this. I'm also glad it's ending today. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm excited that, uh, well, we're going to have a, a basketball game, but not till Friday. So still a, a few days off to, to rest, recuperate, take advantage of this break, recharge the batteries, and get ready for a stretch drive that's going to be as exciting as any that we've had here in the Valley. Well, how would you rank this as far as Suns history for these final 20 games in terms of excitement for yourself, John Bloom? <laughs> Personally, um, it's up there. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, getting a chance to call the road games is uh, – and uh, what I've been, you know, working for for decades, and so to, to have that chance to do that, and then I've lately I've been filling in for Al doing home games as well. Uh, just getting to call play by play for this group is living my dream. So then you talk about the success that the team could potentially have. That just makes it all the sweeter. I, I was just talking with some, uh, you know, teammates of my daughter's, uh, you know parents and talking about how when they win, you're just talking about a, a 14-year-old volleyball team, but when they win, everything's better, right? Winning does make everything better. It doesn't cure everything, but it does seem to make everything better, and I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of winning for the Phoenix Suns in uh, in the near future. Now, does it mean that they're going to run the table and win everything they've got? Uh, no, they've got to get used to each other, and uh, we have to understand that that's going to take you know maybe a little bit of time, uh, and that's what these last 22 games are going to be about out for Monty Williams, his staff, uh, for, for KD and Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and everybody else to kind of, you know, feel each other out, find those rotations, uh, build up the confidence, stay healthy, and get ready for a playoff run that I think, you know, the expectations for this squad will be as high as they've ever been. John Bloom with us, uh, Phoenix Suns broadcaster on the Arizona Sports Line. John, I, I wanted to get your take on the bench because we talked about this last segment about you know how they're going to be able to gel as a unit, and obviously we we can talk about that with the superstars as well. But specifically the bench going into the playoffs, what you think so far? Yeah, again, that's a process because we're going to have to figure out who actually is going to get time. Monty's not going to be able to play 12, 13 guys. He's going to get it down to nine, maybe nine and a half. That's not a half person, but that's, you know, in the rotation uh, where one guy might play, uh, you know, some games, but not every game. You're not going to 10 deep. Uh, I think that's his goal for the playoffs, but I think it's going to be a process over these next, uh, you know, couple months to figure out exactly what that looks like. You know, there have been guys that have stepped up this year that you probably wouldn't have expected before the season started to be in a playoff rotation. But uh, because of the way that they played, they may end up, uh, you know, getting part of that. But there's also the idea that now you've bought uh, or you've brought in Terrence Ross in the buyout market. Uh, there's a potential that you bring somebody else, and I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, uh, you know, Terrence Ross is a guy that immediately saw a role when he got here. I don't know if that means that he's going to have that role in the playoffs. And I think Monty Williams is still trying to figure all that as well because you still have campaign and Landry Shamit that you're yet to bring off the injury list. And those are two guys you definitely expect to be in your rotation. How many, if any, do you have coming off the bench as playoff locks right now? People that you look at and you say that person will be getting run for the Suns come playoff time. Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, it's hard for me to peg that down, Eric, because uh, things have changed so dramatically. It's been a dynamic lineup all year long. Monty and his staff have, have looked at matchups, but they've also obviously had to deal with the injuries. So because they've been limited uh, to certain groups, they've ended up giving maybe some guys more time than they expected. And because of that, uh, they, they might actually 
give it more thought with regards to whether or not they're going to enter that rotation. So can I give you a solid number right now, Eric? I know it's a bailout. I'm totally bailing out on this one because <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's also way above my pay grade to make those decisions. But I will say that I think they have a lot of good choices to make. And, and frankly, the one that ma- matters most potentially to me is campaign. And I think a lot of a lot has been lost on that because we've just been focusing on everything else and all the other positions. But you guys remember how huge of a role he played when they made their run to the finals and how important he can be uh, as a change of pace guy and as a guy to run the show when Chris Paul isn't out there. So I still anticipate him playing a big role for this team. I'm hopeful that he can because I think it'll make him all the more dangerous. Chemistry talk. We're going to keep talking. We're going to keep on this topic real quick. Uh, how do you think the stars will fail, will fare together now with Kevin Durant possibly coming back this week? Yeah, I don't have any concerns on that one, Jeremy. I mean, first off, Booker and, and KD have been talking about this for a long time. Chris Paul as well. Those guys all go back. Um, you know, maybe the the one guy in this group that that doesn't necessarily have the connection with KD is DeAndre Ayton, but I don't think that's going to take much time because I think with KD being out there, it's just going to open up things for DA. You've seen it over the last few games. DA's already, uh, you know, feeling pretty solid with regards to his role in the offense, uh, and I think that that ends up making him more engaged defensively and attacking the glass, uh, but again, I mentioned how important I think campaign is, and I'm going to stick with how important I think DeAndre Ayton can be, because a lot of the focus is going to be on Booker and Kevin Durant, and certainly Chris Paul setting the table, but DA is going to be a huge factor in this whole thing, so when it comes to the chemistry, I think that's what we're going to be watching. We're going to be seeing how it works, how they can engage him early, because I Obviously, you want to get KD the ball. I mean, the guy can shoot from any place on the planet. But I think at the same time, it's important to engage DeAndre to get the most out of him early. We've seen that so much through his career. It's nothing that is unusual for a big man. Uh, and I think that the Suns understand that just as much as I do. So I think that, that that's going to be a focus for them on the offensive end because then they know how much they can get out of him on the other end as the, as the anchor. And that's the other thing on the, on the chemistry side of things. We always focus offensively, but I do think the defensive chemistry is something to look out for. KD, what is he going to bring to the table with regards to that side? He is better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. He can defend the rim, uh, obviously with his length, but he can get out there and defend guys that are smaller than him too and stay with him. Not as much as he could when he was younger, but he still can. So I'm excited to see what that element is for this defense as well because, you know, again, Devin Booker, an underrated defensive player. Chris Paul, a guy that's going to get steals. He's uh, he quickly moving up the ranks. He passed Michael Jordan in his last game, so he's now third all-time in steals, and he can still do it. Uh, he doesn't obviously have the foot speed that he had as a younger player, but he still is effective on that end. And then you got to have the big fella, uh, you know, engaged, and we're going to have to wait and see who that fifth starter is that, that kind of fills that gap. Uh, wanted to follow up on the DeAndre Ayton stuff. We were talking about this yesterday, me and Eric, about how DeAndre Ayton might be the best center that Kevin Durant has ever played with. If you take a look back at his career, you look at the Thunder, Sergi Baca, probably, I guess you could put him in there as a center. He's more of a power forward, really. Couldn't you think of anybody else that is as talented as DA that Kevin Durant has played with at that position? 
no, it's a great point. Um, yeah, certainly Serge, when they were in their early years in Oklahoma City, he would play five. He would be a shot block and a rim protector, but he still liked to spread the floor, like you said, uh, and, and hang out on the perimeter offensively a lot of the time. So that's an element, though, that we might see uh, the Suns employ because you want KD to be able to go to work in the paint sometimes. So uh, I think from that standpoint, that's why uh, Oklahoma City was so successful because you consider they had Russ, they had James Harden, and KD all attacking, and then you got uh, Ibaka just basically cleaning it up and playing defense in the middle. I think that's the best center, but I think that DA is definitely going to take that mantle, and I think KD is going to be super jacked to have a big fellow like that to play alongside, and I'm interested to see how it works because I do think there's going to be times where they kind of take turns uh, in the lane and, uh, and being able to operate in their comfort zones down there, but as you know, Kevin Durant, like I said before, can shoot all over the place. His spots uh, are not just like the elbow or, uh, you know, 15 feet away. His spots are all over that floor. Well, John, we really appreciate the time and you taking the uh, seconds away from your daughter's volleyball tournament. I know she's got a game coming up here soon, and good luck to her. And uh, have fun the rest of the season calling these games. It's, it's really been fun to watch and listen to. Well, thank you uh, for having me. And, uh, yeah, thank you for letting me rest my eardrums for a little bit <laughs> here. And then uh, enjoy uh, getting in there and, and uh, you know, cutting your teeth for, for uh, Vic and, uh, and Vince. I, I know you guys are doing a great job filling in. And uh, I look forward to joining you whenever we get a chance. John, thanks so much. John Bloom joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620. When we come back, what does Arizona Sports Cardinals reporter Tyler Drake think of the Cardinals coordinator hires? He'll tell us next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports. Happy President's Day. Thank you for waking up with us. Filling in for Bickley and Murata this Monday morning, I am Eric Ruby. He is Jeremy Schnell. Now, one thing that I do, Jeremy, and one thing that you do as well is host a podcast for Arizona Sports. You host State of the Sun Devils with Jesse Morrison, who's behind the glass, and Jake Anderson, our ASU B reporter. Well, I also host the Cardinals podcast, Cardinals Corner. Really? Yeah. You I'll, do that? I do that, but the reason no, with why... with who? The reason why you might be surprised is because the other guy steals the show. Oh, We're wow. talking Hollywood. He's on the line right now. Arizona Sports Cardinals reporter Tyler Drake. Tyler, good morning. How you feeling? What is up? I feel like it's another episode of Cardinals Corner, but it's not. So I'm doing all yeah, right. yelling in your ear. <laughs> yeah, me yelling in, my, in your ear. Tyler, you coming in like, oh, another one of these. But Tyler, <laughs> it, it, it's been a long couple of weeks for you. You've covered the Super Bowl, the Open, and of course the Cardinals. And new head coach Jonathan Gannon built his coordinator staff over the weekend. 29-year-old Nick Rallis will be calling the defense. And Drew Petzing going from Cleveland to Arizona to be the offensive coordinator here in the Valley. Which one of those hires stood out to Tyler Drake the most? You know, for me, it's got to be Petzing. I just think because he was basically linked to being Gannon's guy before we really even thought Gannon was going to be the guy. So I think there was a, you know, a relationship already built there. 
uh, you know, kind of an understanding of how things were going to go. And, and now it was just, that was just the next thing. So uh, I think it could do wonders, you know, uh, Jacoby Brissett had one of his better years as a pro last year, and that was largely working with Petzing. So um, interested to see what that means coming over here, translating with Kyler. But, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction. It seems like he's an up and coming guy who, is I think what just this coaching staff is right now is a bunch of up-and-comers, and we'll see how far they can go. Yeah, and now over to the defensive side where another up-and-coming guy, Nick Rallis, he's coming in for, to coach the defense. Uh, he coached a pretty good linebacking core last year. I don't know if you knew this, Tyler. He coached Kaiser White at 110 tackles, TJ Edwards 159 tackles, and oh yeah, some guy named Hassan Reddick who had 16 sacks and was fourth in defensive player of the year voting. I just want to get your take on what you think uh, Rallis can bring to the table for this defense. I think he'll just give a fresh look. I think he's going to give a lot of play. I, I would assume it's some player input, but I also think it's going to really be Gannon show. And I think Rollis is just going to be kind of that, I guess, figurehead for it. Uh, I, you know, we don't know a hundred percent who's going to call the plays yet. So that's still something we got to watch, but you know, it's, it's another one just like Petsing. It's just an up and coming guy who has already kind of impressed early on. And now he's taken that next step and, and we'll see how much responsibility he gets. Uh, that's when I'm still kind of figuring out on exactly how much workload he'll have. But yeah, I mean, the, the record shows, I mean, Hassan Reddick went off, those guys went off. So if he could emulate that with some of the guys out here, that would be huge, huge, huge for a defense that really, I think is going to be the focus point just with the defensive hire and, and everything of that nature. Do you see a possibility of Isaiah Simmons going kind of like a Hassan Reddick route where he moves to the outside? I would. I think that would be great. I don't know if that's <laughs> going to happen, but I think that would be something that would definitely solve some some problems that the defense had last year. And I think, yeah, just having him on the outside, that would be, I think he could get to the quarterback quickly. He could really make some plays. And, and yeah, like you said, be a kind of a Hassan Reddick, I guess, move over. So, yeah, definitely. I think that would be a big, big move if they decided to go that route. But also, you know, he talked, Gannon talked about being adaptable. So I don't know if that means every week he's going to be somewhere different or if they really are going to fix him at one position. Tyler Drake, Arizona Sports Cardinals reporter, co-host of Cardinals Corner, joining us here on Bickley and Murata is Jeremy Schnell and myself, Eric Ruby. Fill in. Tyler, there was an article released this morning by Pro Football Talk with a one-on-one interview with Jonathan Gannon. There was a couple really good nuggets in there. I want to go through a couple of them with you and ask about how important they might be. The first one is Gannon said, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. Important or not important? Very important. I think that's huge. I think we've seen it. I, I think we heard it at the press conference. I think we saw it in the video afterwards where he talked about how, you know, he wanted to be here. Like, there's not many places that already have a franchise quarterback. And, you know, I think right now it's building confidence. It's, it's, it's rebuilding confidence within the organization and outward. So I, I, that's, it's an important move for sure. All right, this next one is the one that drew my attention. This is Gannon. Quote, I loved Philly. Mr. Lurie and I love Howie Roseman. I love Nick Sirianni. They came back and they were like, here's a new offer. It's going to pay you more than being a head coach. That's cool, and I loved it there, but I wanted to be a head coach, and I was excited about this because of Mr. Bidwell, 
Michael, as he would say, Monty Ossonfort, and Kyler. So apparently, according to Gannon, he was offered more money to stay as a coordinator for the Eagles, but instead ended up in the Valley. How important is that, Tyler? That's, I mean, that's really important just because of what we saw this coaching search with, you know, you've had the Brian Flores going to be D.C. when he was, sounded like he was still a finalist, uh, just in everything else. I mean, just the 10 candidates they interviewed, it was a long and winding road to get to where they are and the fact that, hey, yeah, I turned down more money to stay where I was at to take a job. I mean, obviously being a head coach is a huge step up for any kind of assistant or coordinator. But still, take the job in Arizona, turn down more money. That's 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 a big that's a that's really big in my eyes because I think a lot of people have the question or doubt that hey, you know, the Cardinals might not be a destination they want to go to. So that that shows a lot. It shows again and wants to be here, and it shows that they got their right guy. Tyler Drake joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Tyler, I wanted to get your take on the quarterback position. If Kyler isn't ready for the first game of the season, and if it's not Colt McCoy, who's your ideal quarterback to be there and be starting until Kyler can come back? Well, I think, you know, if it's Drew, if Drew Petting's going to be calling the show for the, for the offense, why not try to get Jacoby Brissett? We saw him do some, do some really good things in Cleveland last year before Deshaun Watson was off of suspension. So, I mean, if that's a familiar face for Petting to work with, I think that'd be a really good, good idea. Tyler, I want to look at the free agent class as well. There are some internal candidates to be brought back, some outside candidates. Is there anybody on the Eagles, since it seems like the Cardinals want to take all the Eagles defensive coaches, that you might see Arizona looking to snag in the offseason? Ooh, there's a couple guys. And, and the, the one that comes to my mind first, and I think everybody's going to kind of be like, what? Uh, James Bradbury. I know the defensive holding in the Super Bowl is going to be the first thing that sticks out, but... Hey, he'd be a corner. He'd be another cornerback to add with Marco Wilson, potentially a Byron Murphy, who I think should be a guy that's re-signed in-house. So that's one guy that definitely stands out. I mean, I don't know if Fletcher Cox is going to want to sign up for another year elsewhere, so he would probably be off the list. Uh, Javon Hargrave, though, that's a guy that would be big. I think a lot of things would have to happen in, in terms of are they going to trade down from the pick from number three? Or are they going to use it for a defensive player? But he would be a guy that I would throw a lot of money at because he had a huge year this past season and seems like he's on an upward trajectory. So definitely uh, him and Bradbury would, be, would probably be two guys that I would look look at. And it sounds like Gannon had a lot of guys that liked him in that locker room, so who knows? All right, one last one for you, Tyler, before we let you go. You know me. On Cardinals Corner, I like to have some fun. There's a fun story up on ArizonaSports.com, free, baby, that you can read right now (laughs) that lists off some of Jonathan Gannon's top phrases, vocabulary that we should be getting used to from the new head coach in the Valley. I want to read them off and I just want to know your favorite. He says they, they called it JG-isms. JG-isms. Right, I want to know your <laughs> yep, favorite yep. JG-isms. Here they are. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Let it rip. Buckle up. Don't get it twisted. Pick up your bootstraps. Be where your feet are. And here's my personal favorite. That's the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's a couple. Uh, You're gonna say let uh, it rip, aren't you? Man, I can't remember which one's my favorite. There's, there's a couple. Of, there's a couple good ones. The buckle up one is obviously a good one. Uh, if it's if it's 
If it's to be, it's up to me. What, what was going, that one again? If it's going to be, it's up to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, I think I like that one the most. I think that one's the that one that was the one that stuck out to me the most. I thought you were going to say let it rip because you, it reminds you of golf. No, because that's exactly what happens, and I want to go play golf. Right, but then you know when you let it rip, sometimes the the shot goes where you don't want it to go. Exactly. <laughs> well, Tyler, we're going to let you get to that round of golf. Thank you for joining us. If you want to find Arizona Sports Cardinals reporters, great work. Go to ArizonaSports.com, and you can hear him and myself chop it up on Cardinals Corner, basically weekly for you on Arizona Sports. Thanks, Tyler. Have a good one. No problem, guys. See you later. Thanks, Tyler. All right, guys. Just want to remind you before we go to break, the 35th annual Renaissance Festival has begun. The Ren Fest lasts each weekend up until April 3rd, and we're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Just visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. Coming up, Jesse, behind the glass, going to be taking us through our latest round of social studies next with Jeremy Schnell and Eric Ruby filling in for Bickley Murata on Arizona Sports, the local. Local sports leader.